How much time do you want for your progress? progress. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Clatter Chatter on Things That Matter, the podcast that is intellectually engaging, theologically reflecting, encouraging sociologically, imagining ways in which we can live. Thank you for spending this short amount of time with us. We promise you that you will not regret a moment of it. Shout out to Trevor Smith and B.J. Herbert for commissioning this fantastic music to get our minds going on things eternal, positive, and fulfilling life's purposes. Today is going to be a heavy day. We welcome you to Clatter Chatter on Things That Matter. And this is Maundy Thursday, 2021, Holy Week, the week in which Jesus is executed. And whether it's a knee on the neck or hanging on the cross, crucifixion by any other name is still crucifixion. Holy Week, trial has started. Pontius Pilate, Sanhedrin Court are in place. This is the week that we hear the testimony of those who witnessed the last few moments of George Floyd's life. Joined in with the Reverend Dr. Brenda Hayes. As we jump in, we may receive a phone call or two. Uh, But we will let you know if that guest does indeed join us as well. Dr. Hayes? Yes, Dr. Cooper? What say you today? What do you think? Well, it struck me, as you you mentioned, the uh, similarities between George Floyd and Jesus on the cross, the the end result was pretty much the same, sort of an asphyxiation, uh, a cutting off of the of the wind of the air. And we always uh, assign the symbol of air to spirit. And uh, as Jesus was hanging on the cross, he says, "Into your hands I commend my spirit." And the spirit left his body. And as the officer who had his knee on the neck of George Floyd, eventually he couldn't breathe. And the wind, the spirit left his body. When we think about the comparison between these two ways of cruelly Um, murdering someone, killing someone, is perhaps um, a parallel of the worst kind of death. 
when one cannot breathe. It's it's the whole COVID experience. People's lungs fail to work. And they're put on these machines because they can't breathe on their own. Surely death would follow. So we're reminded of how precious it is to be those who still have breath in the body. Not only air to breathe, but a spirit to live, a soul to survive. And then the question becomes, since we have been allowed to remain alive in the bodies in which we dwell, what is our purpose? What is the point of our still being here? What is it that we can do uh, to make a difference and to help ensure that these kind of heinous crimes against humanity don't continue? So I want to um, just push back a little or a lot because uh, it goes back to this whole idea of soteriology or salvation and and really um, this ruah as the Old Testament Hebrew scripture shares the this ruah of God uh, that breathed into the the beings that were made out of the very dust that which we were returned to this, this breath of God breathed life into the, the beings and, and the beings became living creatures. And, and then the new Testament pneuma, this, 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 this wind of God, again, we get the derivative of pneumonia from the word pneuma, this Greek word wind of God, and and you think about the breathing, the the very breath, the very first act of of being born. In in modern times, they they say that the doctor smacks the bottom of a baby to get the lungs open to so that child can scream out. And and if you've listened again to nine minutes and twenty nine seconds of what was going on as as George Floyd was crying out, even his words saying, and I quote this exactly, um, I'm through. He repeatedly said, I'm through. Cries out in anguish as this video shows, my stomach hurts, my neck hurts, everything hurts. I need some water or something, please. And then he tells the witnesses, they're going to kill me, man. He cries out for his mother. If just opposing this breathing, the lack of air is not reminding us of the asphyxiation hanging by crucifixion that happened 21 centuries ago. If we can't draw these parallels to I thirst, I'm through, it is finished. If we can't see what crucifixion, execution, by any other name, COVID-19, that Ruah, the Numa. How, how do we breathe? How do we, how do we get the ventilation that's necessary? How do we open up our rib cages and diaphragm to take in this new era? 
that God is putting in humankind. What do we do? If we're recycling the same kind of, not air purifying, but recycling this toxic air, when does the salvation live out? Soteriology. Well, I think that uh, George Floyd's little baby girl said it. He's changed the world. Uh, it, it becomes his death becomes a wake up call or a resuscitation of society to begin to recognize what it has ignored for so long. Uh, that is the abuse of black bodies. And uh, and I think that his death did just that. It awakened the world to the cruelty that still exists. And um, when we began to talk back and fight back and engage in actions that change those kinds of realities, then we will have justified our being here. And I think that until we recognize our common humanity and that we have been designed to to be with each other and to care for each other and to help each other, and as the Bible says, love each other, um, we'll have to continue to learn these lessons over and over again. And I'm hopeful that this generation can get it and recognize the importance of the community of humanity and that we are truly interdependent beings, not only with one another, but with the totality of creation. I I firmly believe it and have believed it for years that everything in the earth works in tandem. And when we disrupt or destroy those connections, then mayhem results. And we see it. Even in recent events, we see it. And so that's what we have to do, continue to call on people to recognize their common humanity, Dr. Cooper. I I agree with you um, because our interconnectedness, even just the mere fact uh, you know, April is an important month for a lot of reasons, but is especially important because it gives us a reminder of Earth Day, of the importance of caring for Mother Earth. And, um, and even in this knowing that we need oxygen, where do we derive our oxygen? I mean, the creation of the universe is amazing. We get oxygen from vegetation, from trees. And, and they, in turn, take away our carbon dioxide. And, and there is this wonderful ebb and flow in terms of, of being green, being aware of all of creation. And so everything has a purpose and a place. But if we concern ourselves with this idea of recycling in our carbon footprint, yet we constantly keep seeing knees 
imprinted on the next. We keep seeing the, the suffocation of, of marginalized groups that are really wanting a little air, just, just a little air to occupy the space in which is theirs to occupy on this great big earth. It's enough room for everybody. And, and, and it's enough air for everybody. Absolutely. That's the way it was designed. So there's no scarcity except in the minds of those who created. So how do we reimagine this Clean Air Act where reconciliation and justice, compassion, kindness? We have to do it. We have to do it. There's no magic wand. There's no special way except to care. And when we care about something, we continue to talk about it and we continue to work toward its realization. Um, I think our problem is we have sat back and acted as though nothing depended on us, but everything depends on us. And if us don't get it done, it won't get done. I think so that, it's a joint effort on the part of all humanity. We all have a responsibility to to value and to maintain um, this earth that has been entrusted to us. And uh, when we sit back and think somebody else is going to do it, 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 it just may not get done. So we have to take upon ourselves as, as individuals and as groups. Um, the responsibility to keep talking about what needs to happen. In other words, to keep telling the truth, making sure that there's no one who has not heard it. And I, you know, uh, there, we can do a lot of things. And, and it's, as people of the church, we like to do. We, we engage in a lot of mission work. In other words, we like to do things for others, and it makes us feel good. Uh, but beyond the doing, we have to we have to do some telling. Sometimes we go and we hold dinners for people and and give away clothes, and we never tell them the truth of Jesus. We never tell, share with people how we got to be where we are. And how being blessed is not a given, but that it is something to be grateful for. Um, there, there's no particular reason why some do well and others don't. Um, and so that's why we have to be grateful when things go, work well with us. And then as a result of being well, we have to be concerned about the welfare of others than those who may not be as strong or as fortunate as we. Well, I, I still have hope in the prototype of movements that has its origins in the historical Jesus movement. Notwithstanding, it, it doesn't matter um, how many books people write 
and 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 about being anti-racist. That's now in scholarships being equivalent to capitalism because writing books about anti-racism doesn't solve the problem. It just makes those people richer and sets up this chasm because who gets to own the scholarship as the quote unquote anti-racist. So, so that's the new capitalistic motif. If we're, if we're not careful, and then we get this whole idea. So, so going back to the Jesus movement, um, uh, so, so this, this movement has sustained itself as a prototype only because of its organic nature, its organic nature in being that Jesus, this historical figure, and it's not the image that Michelangelo painted. In my mind, this Jesus was this, you know, uh, darker hue, probably had a little dreadlock, some hair kinky all over like the Nazarite community, um, gnarled hands because he was a carpenter. So so this image of Jesus and, and strong enough to carry our cross of redemption, this historical Jesus movement is the prototype of all movements because he never forced anybody. He led protests by disrupting money changes at a temple. I mean, that was an incredible protest. His protest also included this radically inclusive nature of, of women, as we talked the last podcast with Mary Magdalene, and, and encouraging children not to even set up this division amongst generations. He, he used children as an example of, of coming to this kingdom. But here's the thing. This love that that he embodied, and and I believe that is the ultimate prototype that we need in these movements of justice and humility. What does the Lord require? What does God require? To do justice, to love, mercy, and to walk humbly. That that's all that we need. And and how do we live this out? This mandate of of. It's okay to be from a different faith tradition. It's okay to not not uh, understand the doctrinal beliefs and denominational divisions. It's it's okay if we look at the word that was made flesh and hung on the cross and then had the unmitigated gall to say forgive. Hey, what do you do with that? Well, forgiveness, as we know, is, is really for the individual. It's not for the other. <laughs> forgiveness is to clear clear my channels so that love can flow. If, it's, if, if I block the channels of my own being with hate or resentment or holding grudges, then I, I, can't, I can't let my love flow the way I need to. Part of loving is forgiving. That's that's the ultimate act of love that I I will not hold against you. Whatever you may have done that was hurtful to me, but I will continue to wish you well and to do for you whatever I can do to make your life better. That's love. It's action. And when we act right, the the feeling will follow. Sometimes we wait to feel better about it's okay to hurt because it, it lets you know uh, that in your humanity you, there is vulnerability, and that opens you up to care for other people. You never hurt 
then you then you don't feel anything when others get hurt. One of the reasons why I I just have not been able to tune into this trial is because of the level of empathy that I know that I have, and I'd be sitting around crying and blowing my nose all day long and shaking my head and feeling bad because how in the world can you one human being do something like this to another human being it's really beyond my understanding but hold on jesse dr hayes we got a call coming through jesse are you there dr hayes keep on talking jesse you on i have to be compassionate you know uh towards brothers Chauvin because uh he's in a he's in a world of heap of trouble and um I think so You know, for all of us, uh, and, and it's our responsibility to receive that and live accordingly. But when, when you're hearing what's going on, you see compassion from those witnesses that are coming forward, you know, saying, you know, I, I feel guilty because I, I should have done more if I had, you know, said that this was a counterfeit $20 bill, if I had just went, had gone ahead and, and, and paid for it. And that, that's the compassion that, that you that you see. It's almost like Jesus saying, what else could I have done? What On the cross, I did everything that I can do. And now you have these people saying, well, you know, if I had done this and if I had done that, but, I mean, they're trying to hold themselves accountable for something that they didn't do and should have done. And they literally was not in control of the situation. Because if any one of those persons had, you know, done something unbecoming, especially with, with, when he had his knee on, uh, on George Ford's neck, chances are they would have been killed. That's true. If, if they had responded, and they're trying to say the reason why they were continuously doing what they were doing, they were afraid of the crowd. Well, the crowd didn't do anything to uh, perpetuate that kind of behavior. And all of those persons knew, you know, and, and, and even suspected that chances are um, George Floyd would have lost his life in that interaction with the police department because there's a history behind it. That's true. And I want to I want to recap what you said about which one of the two thieves, Mm -hmm. um, uh, George Floyd on one side and Mm -hmm. Chavin on the other. Mm -hmm. Which one? Which one best represents, you know, the George Floyd or which one best represents, you know, uh, Chauvin? I mean, again, Jesus in the middle. He dies for both. Yep. And that that is the heavy. Um, major question that we have to constantly ask ourselves, because who are we to pass judgment mm-hmm, on mm-hmm, any of this? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. by the grace of God are any of us. Yeah. yeah. Now, you know, in my flesh, I want to. <laughs> I definitely want to pass judgment. You know, I, you know, it, it would be like, I, I don't want Lord to extend any grace towards Shabbos, you know, but I mean, that's in my flesh. And But Jesus has said, no, I, I died for both. There's redemption for both, and, and and I have redemption for both of you even before you got into that situation that ended up with those results. 
and now we got the blame game. And how do we, yes. how, how do we offer reconciliation? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do we offer healing? We started mm-hmm. this conversation as uh, Dr. Hayes was talking about the, the need to breathe mm-hmm. and that even mm-hmm. in the COVID context in which we are living now, mm-hmm. it affects mm-hmm. our breathing. Right, right. Well, I think, you know, to be honest with you, and, and maybe just for me in, in this context, again, putting it in with all the other incidents that have taken place, you, you want to make sure that justice is served. And, and, and if justice is served, you know, then I can breathe a little bit. You know, and I heard someone uh, the other day, you know, again, comparing this to the Rodney King and other places where you've had videos and, and what have you. I mean, if this go down the route and what the verdict came back similar to the Rodney King incident, I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a whole bunch of people who can't breathe and would want to demonstrate that they're not breathing. Mm-hmm. You, at some point, you know, you want justice to be serving, not only in this context, but there are some other things, societal changes that have to take place that you can hold police departments accountable, individuals within that police department accountable for this kind of stuff. You can't put a badge, continuously put a badge on a person, on a police officer, or whomever it might be, and for them to think or believe that that badge gives them the right to take someone else's life simply because they have the authority or the power to do so. And they that begins to um, become the idol mm-hmm. of power and mm-hmm. privilege manifested instead of yes. realizing that there is something still greater yes. than you and I. Yes, and while the police department may not hold you accountable, let's go there. The police department not go, may not hold you accountable, but there is a higher source that all of us will be held accountable to. Every knee, every time. So there is a higher source. And so part of it for me, you know, like I said, even if the justice doesn't prevail the way I want it, I still have to uh, say to myself that there is a higher source. And therein resides true justice. Amen. Dr. Hayes? Amen. Amen. Well, I, let me get out here and just talk, talk, talk. I, I love it. I'm loving it. I'm grateful. You. This is the first time we have a live call-in show. It's going to work. This is just the beginning. I uh, yes. And I hope that everybody will continue to turn, tune in to us and, yes. and be with us uh, the next time that we gather. Thank you for tuning in today the clatter chatter on things that matter it has been an honor privilege and a pleasure sharing this time with you remember the sun on your face remember also that everything will be all right